My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. If you got your Bibles, open up to uh, Mark chapter 6. And I believe, mostly, that we will get through this handout today. So we'll see. I would very much like to. All right, we'll start this morning with our question that we start with each week. So what is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark that we have studied so far? Oh, that was fast hand. Yes, sir. You don't want to die. Okay. All right. That's a good thing. You know why? You know why that's a good thing? Because you are made in the image of God. And he has put a desire for self-preservation in there. And that's a good thing. So there we go. All right. So what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? Yes, ma'am. So last week you elaborated quite a bit on... Does that mean I talk too much on it? No. Oh, okay. Oh. You elaborated on this, uh, the actions that Herod had to take to protect John. Oh, yes. From, uh, it wasn't just, you know, hey, don't touch him. He really had to do some different things yeah. in her house to keep him safe. Before last week when you said that, I had, when I was reading the thing, I, I made this long list of, like, all the important things. Yeah. Right. He's an important character in the New Testament. He's like really significant, yeah. <clears throat> yes. That's a good summary. What God does, He does. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we're going to land the plane today, Lord willing. So I feel like you read my notes because I wrote them yesterday evening and this morning. So I'm wondering how she hacked my iPad today. So this is interesting stuff. So <laughs> there we go. We'll go with that. All right, one more. What's God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far? Yes, ma'am. Good. Good. Yes. Yes. 
Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. What a gift, right? What a gift to see and to understand uh, the workings of his hand. So let's take a look at uh, Mark chapter 6. I'll read all of Mark chapter 6, and then we will uh, pick up around verse 22, I think, today. Mark 6. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. And some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that's why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he'd married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted him to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. 
And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. And immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people in their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages and cities or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. So on your handout for today because next week's is on the table over there. On your handout for today, if you'll fl- uh, slide over to page 182. Page 182. This is the same handout from uh, last week and the week before. So last week we had landed kind of in the middle of verse 22, talking about the wish. And this is a word that showed up a couple of times so far. Um, Back in verse 19, uh, Herodias had a grudge against John and wanted or wished. It's the uh, Strong's 2309. And then we see it again in verse 22. Uh, It says, for when Herodias' daughter... Now, what was her name again? It doesn't say, does it? But many of you have this strong desire to say a very specific name. What's the name? Yeah. You know why you have this desire? Because Josephus said her name was Salome. Josephus was a uh, extra biblical writer. He's a historian. And he was he was really helpful with a lot of things. And he made some stuff up because it sold really well. So we have to be a a bit cautious around uh, taking data points outside of scripture and just assuming. And you, you actually some of you might even have a study Bible that has a footnote that says this is Salome. You'll be like. Time out. <laughs> Look at the book, right? Look at the book. So uh, back in 22, when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod. Again, this is the ugh, awful portion of this text. And uh, his guests, so that's gross for them too. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish. This is this, right? I mean, we, we tell uh, fairy tales about these types of things. Ask me for whatever you wish, whatever you want, whatever makes you happy. And I will give it to you. Now we know from later on in this particular text uh, 
that this transaction, this, this verbal exchange happens in this public setting, right? Because he doesn't want to go back on his word later on. So this is, this is Herod being very puffed up and arrogant in a very public way. So I told you two weeks ago, just be on the lookout for all the ways in which Herod is this incredibly weak leader. And this is one of them. When you want to look really good in front of people that you consider to be important, this is, this is weakness, actually. So he says, I'll give it to you. And he vowed, right? So this word for vowed is only used twice in Mark. The second time it's used in Mark is in Mark 14, 71, where Peter is denying Jesus. So it says he, he cursed and he swore that he didn't know him, right? So Mark uses this word two times. One, where he vows here. And two, where Peter swears that he didn't know Jesus. So does this word in Mark have a positive or negative connotation? Very negative, right? And and I want you to begin to see all the connected words that Mark uses in Mark 6, talking about John's death, and later on in Mark, talking about Jesus' death. Because he is foreshadowing with his vocabulary what is coming later. And we as the reader are supposed to be picking up, oh, you used that word back there. You used that word back there. Man, you used that word back there too. And that one, and that one, and that one. There's a connection here. So just keep that in mind. So he says, he vowed, whatever you ask. And I've highlighted three of the Greek words there because there's really not a Greek word for whatever, um, which is, I, I just thought was interesting. Um, there's a word for like what and person and that. So what person that you ask me, so whatever you ask, I will give to you. So again, this is a repetition of this public arrogance, right? Up to half of my kingdom. You see the, you see the my again? It's, it's all, Herod is all about team Herod. I mean, he is just, he's all in on Herod. So top of the next page, up to half of my kingdom. And she went out. Now, if you go out from a public place, are you still, well, I guess you could still be in a public place, but where does she go out to? Her mother, right? So the scene changes here. So this is not, she whispers to mom who's standing right there. She goes out somewhere else. So where was Herodias not? She was not in that room at the party. Now this might have been at Herod's mansion, which had multiple rooms and lots of different places. Could have been parties, many parties. I mean, it's just all kinds of debauchery that would have gone on here. But she went out, found mom, and said to her mother, for what should I ask? All right, so let me... Let's, let's back up for just a second. I want you to, and, and I don't encourage us to do this very often, but I want you to understand her mindset here. So if you drop yourself into Herodias' daughter's shoes, your father-in-law, right? Is that right? Stepdad, there we go. Thank you. It might have been her father-in-law too, I don't know. Um, it was, it, it's literally so messed up. It, it's just even odds, right? But this, this person of seemingly very significant authority and ability has asked you, what do you want? Now, she actually does something that I consider to be really wise. She doesn't just spout off the first thing that pops in her head. Right? And I, I asked you all, as part of your homework last week, to go and to look up all those words where the little girl or the that particular word for how old she was. And, and what did you come back with? What do you, what do you think? How old do you think she was? Yeah, she, she was very young, right? 
So at you, when you were 12, we'll just pick 12. I'm not going to be definitive about it. We'll just we'll say 12. When you were 12, would you have had the maturity to go and to ask a parent before you answered this question? I don't think I would have. I don't know that I would have. But she goes, and who does she go and she ask? Why did she ask her mom? Maybe. Maybe. Why'd she ask her mom? Why'd she ask her mom? It's her, it's her mom, right? Yeah. Why'd she ask her mom? <laughs> if she didn't feel comfortable, if she felt comfortable dancing at that age in front of all these uh, important people, like that's just, there's just all kinds of weirdness going on here. Who do you go ask this question to? You there you go. Somebody you trust. That's right. So you ask. So what does mom say? So she asked her mom, for what should I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And there's a bit of a bad translation for Baptist there. It should be baptizer. But we'll, we'll give them some slack here. So the head of John the Baptist. And that's it. Now, you hear that phrase, and at 12, you hear that phrase. You, you've got an opportunity to pick anything, and this is what comes back. So what does she do with that? Verse 25, she came in. So we've left the scene of the private. We're coming back into the public. She came in immediately with haste. There's very little discernment on her part here, but I'm not going to throw under the... Under the uh, under the bus because, I mean, she's a child, right? We're talking about a child at this point. So let's be real careful. Came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want. All right, so this is the word again. This is the word for wish. This is the third time it shows up in this text. Let me ask you a question. Is this what she wanted? No. It's what her mama wanted, right? It's what her mama wanted. Now, her mama may have convinced her that this is what she wanted too. Right? Because this, this whole family is just duplicity run amok. It's just horrible, horrible, horrible. Might have been what they both wanted, but it was certainly what her mom wanted. I want you to give, and this is the subjunctive, so this is the, the, the potential of this. She believed this is possible. I want you to give me at once. This was added. Her mom didn't say at once. I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist, and she turns it back into a noun. So there you go. Uh, on a platter. Did mama talk about a platter? Mama didn't talk about a platter. Okay, cool. So she's added a little bit here, right? So she said, do it at once and put it on a platter. Okay. So verse 26. And the king was exceedingly sorry. So he was grieved all around. He was intensely sad. This word is only used one other time in Mark. It's used in Mark 14, 34. It's used of Jesus when he is grieved and exceedingly sorry. Yes, sir. It is. Because um, you've never seen this, right? You've never seen like a head on a... I mean, that's just... Like, what in the world? That's just ridiculous. The uh, All right. I, I didn't hear it. I didn't... What was it? 
Yeah, I hope not, right? If you have, I don't want to hear that story this morning, right? So there's that. Uh, I will tell you that in, um, in uh, the early church uh, and in the, the history of the church, I'm going to sidebar here for just a second, there uh, have been massive periods of time in church history where the average, uh, I want to say communicant, it's probably a good word, church attender, was illiterate. Right? And stories, Bible stories, would have been told through artists painting. This is an incredibly famous picture that is painted in lots. And because it's so visceral, right? It's just in your face. And So here we go. So the king is exceedingly sorry. He's grieved. But, in the words dia, so through, through his oaths. And I got to tell you, I I actually thought there was an error in the ESV when I saw the plural of this. Because I went back and read what he promised to her. And I didn't see two oaths until I went back and read it again. And then it was like, oh, he did promise her two different things. Right? So this is good because the word is plural. It is, he did make two oaths. Uh, because of his oaths and his guests. You're like... So what is about to happen is an unjust state murder. I'm going to be super abundantly clear with this. He was not sorry about that. He was sorry about his reputation in the room. Yes, our... Yes, yes. And he gets bested by a 12-year-old. So in his attempt to... Who's influenced by her mom, right? In his attempt to be showing strength, his weakness is actually illustrated. And so what do we see with Jesus? When Jesus demonstrates his vulnerability, his weakness, if you will, his submission to the Father's will, we actually see his strength. There's this beautiful turning of what happens, what what we see with Herod, and the opposite that we see with Jesus. Jesus is actually amazing. Yes, yes, very much so. Yes. Right. So he was exceedingly sorry because of, because of his oaths and his guests. He did not, there it is again, want to break his word to her. Now the interesting thing is the words word to her are not in the text. Those are added. You could translate this. He did not wish to break himself. Because he was more important than John. He was more important than anything else. She realizes what she's 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Does the text tell us? She knew she was asking for the head on a platter. I mean, and she knew she got it eventually. Yeah, like a, does, like she, a, does she realize the ramifications of oh, it? Oh, I, I, I can't. I can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine anybody in this story. I can't imagine anybody in this story understood the ramifications of what was happening here. That's certainly not. Perhaps with the life of John, but certainly not in the larger context of the story of God Himself. Right? They're they're not looking at this. You know, in their mind, Herod is the the king here. He's actually not even a king. He's just a tetrarch, which is like a wannabe king. So. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we are certainly not in a time frame that we're used to seeing, I mean, yep. anything. We're kind of away from that. We don't want to see animals die. It was uh, politics. Thank you. He was not the sharpest knife in the rack. <laughs> he was not. And history shows this. What's going on is it wasn't just John the Baptist saying, dude, what are you doing? This is your brother's blood. This is wrong. Other countries, other nations, So I'll show you one more thing here. So <clears throat> what title did Herod, Ant- so this is, Herod, this is the Herod we're talking about here, Antipas. What title did uh, Herod Antipas have at his death? Does anybody know? What, did, was he still this, the position that he's in in this story? No, he wasn't. He wasn't the same position because he was actually exiled because one of his other brothers ascended to the leadership position and his brother that ascended asked Herodias. So his, his wife from Philip, it's just weird. Um, do you want to stay with him or do you want to come be one of my wives? What'd she pick? Did she want to stay in power or did she want to go with Herod? That's what I would have thought too, but she didn't. She picked Herod. And they went off into the desert and they died in the desert in exile. I don't know that we know what happened to her. That's a good question. It's interesting, right? See, sin will lead you down paths where options that are presented, you will see through sinful lenses. 
It doesn't get better on its own. It only gets worse. Right? So what happens next in our text? Verse 27. And immediately the king sent an executioner. You know, Because right? he's got to do it. He's hemmed himself in. Sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. Now the text is actually his head, but we understand that this is John's head that we're talking about here. And he went and beheaded him. So this is this unjust state murder. Was there any other unjust state murder in the Gospels? What one? Jesus. Jesus, that's exactly right. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. In verse 29, and when his disciples, whose disciples? John's disciples. You remember John had disciples, right? John has disciples. When John's disciples heard of it, they came and they took his body. This word's used one other time in Mark 2. Whose body is it talking about in Mark 15, 45? Jesus' body. Right? Do you see the connections, the vocabulary in Mark 6, in the story of John, and later in the text with the story of Jesus Christ? I want you to see this connection. So I want to say one more, one more thing. So flip over. Um, we're going outside of, John, of uh, Mark for just a second. All right, so Matthew 11. I just want to just see this. Gary actually mentioned this last week in last week's sermon. There's a song that I love that's made up of these words too, but Matthew 11, verse 1. Matthew's the book before Mark, uh, for those of you that have forgotten where other books of the Bible are. Um, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison, and why was he in prison? Because the whole thing we just read about, right, in Mark. When John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ. If that sounds like awkward language, it's because it's specifically talking about Messiah here. The deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, to Jesus, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? John is in prison. It is not looking good right now. And he asked this question, Are you the one? Who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, John's disciples, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. These are all things that were prophecies that the Messiah would do. Jesus is saying, Do you see who I am? I'm the guy you've been waiting. Like, yes, I'm him. I am the Christ. And then he adds verse 6. Right? Because verses uh, 4 and 5 are all about these Old Testament prophecies. And then you get to verse 6. And he says, And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is John the Baptist you're talking to. I mean, John the Baptist's faith never wavered. It was never shaken because he was John the Baptist. He's also a guy, right? Their, their faith flickers and wavers at times. 
There's only one flawless person in the Gospels, and it's Jesus. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So John heard those words between the time Herod threw him in prison and the time he was beheaded. And as far as we know, that's the last conversation that they had. And in verse 29, in Mark chapter 6, when his disciples heard of his, his death, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. So a couple of thoughts about this whole, whole concept here. So I'm glad you brought up the political, because like I have in my notes, application number one is politicians can illustrate weakness through attempts at strength. Right? So what do we do when we see politicians uh, who are not biblical? What's our job? Pray for them. What else? Yeah, be faithful. Right? Our job is to be faithful. Our job is that no matter what state we define ourselves in, they're with to be content. Right? Yes, sir. Impressive, isn't it? So you're telling me that God can use anything to accomplish his purpose? He can use anyone to accomplish his purpose too. So a couple of things about these folks. Um, I told you two weeks ago that Herod's just a guy with a red shirt, right? Herodias is just a woman with a red shirt. Herodias' daughter is just somebody with a red shirt. They've got blood on their hands. They were born into lives of privilege and authority, and they did evil, wicked things with it. So please understand, we as Americans are born with spectacular privilege and spectacular opportunity. And let us not use our privilege and our, our influence and our wealth for things like this. Because if you ever, if you ever get asked the question, what do you want? That will lay bare your motives. Right? What do you want? I wrote down a couple options. Do you want rescue? John, did you want rescue? Do you want faithfulness? Do you want a life of ease? Do you want to be obedient? Do you want wealth? Do you want to just live? I'll give you another application here. Not all Christians have a life of ease and comfort. It's, it's actually rare. It's the unusual that have that. So what do we do with this, right? Well, we repent of our sinful desires because when we ask ourselves the question, what do you want? If anything other than I want to know Christ and to abide in Him comes up, then uh, that's an opportunity to repent and to believe anew in the gospel. And I'll leave you with this thought. For those that are children of God, uh, we will meet John the Baptist one day. And John the Baptist will have his head. See, John got his head back. And Herod and his family stand with blood-stained, privileged hands. And we get to pick. 
You get to pick, right? Whose side will you align yourself with? With the dirty politician who uses his influence for evil or with the Lord God Almighty who was with John in the prison to the very last second. He didn't abandon John. Don't read the story that way because that's not what happened. John wins in the end. And it's a beautiful picture of resurrection. So, next week, here's your blank. We will plan to start with verse 30. Yay, we got there. All right. We will plan to start with verse 630. Your homework is there listed at the bottom of page 187. Uh, pray for help in understanding Mark. Hear Mark multiple times. Think about Mark often, day and night. Talk with someone dead or alive about Mark. Share your insights about Mark. Invite a member and a non-member to class. And then all of our stuff, all of our email and podcast and YouTube and all that's at OurSundaySchool.com. You can subscribe there. If you want to be a member of our class, the directions are there at OurSundaySchool.com. If you have any questions about that, feel free to ask me. I'm happy to answer those. You should have a prayer request sheet on your table. So pick a section, read through those. Please make any updates that you need to. If you're sitting at a table with just you or just your family, then we'll need to share with somebody else. And uh, other than that, thanks for coming to Sunday School today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.